Hi, this is Sarit Schwetzer, and welcome to the It Is Taught podcast, a podcast devoted to the teachings of Rabbi Schneir Zalman of Liadi, as recorded in his most famous work, the Tanya. My hope for this show is to make these teachings accessible and relatable to the average person, regardless of prior Jewish education or affiliation. The episodes follow the prescribed daily study portions and are meant to serve as practical lessons in how to live your life as your true self and develop an authentic and powerful relationship with your creator. I have personally experienced the effects the study of this work has had on me, and I'm excited to share what I can of this knowledge with you. So please join me on this journey of learning, self-growth, and connection with your source. Hi, and welcome to the It Is Top podcast. This is episode 426 for the 29th of TVs in a regular year. I once met somebody who came from a very wealthy family. His parents were entrepreneurs and they established a business that did really well to such a point that none of their children had to worry about money for the rest of their lives. They established what's known as a trust fund. You know, we've all heard about these these people, these trust fund babies who go around and don't have to work a day of their lives. They're taken care of from the moment they're born till the day that they die. Now, trust fund babies get a really bad rap because we kind of picture them as being like these lazy people who just sit around all day partying, you know, um, having fun, not being very productive or whatever, and just like feeding off of their inheritance that they received from their parents. This particular person was interesting in the sense that he actually didn't just sit around all day doing nothing. He uses his time in a pretty productive way, being involved in various creative projects, philanthropic projects, you know, all kinds of things that could hopefully benefit society. However, there is a difference between the way that he works and the way that the vast majority of us work in the sense that he doesn't really have the same stress that we all do in terms of having to worry about, you know, when, where his next paycheck is going to come from. Will he make enough money to survive? That's kind of like taking care of, you know, than anything else that he does. It's, you know, he can actually be fully immersed in his work in a more kind of pure sense in a way without having to worry about the monetary aspect of it. So now when you think about it this way, then having a trust fund is really nice, right? We probably all do that anyways, right? That we'd all love to have a trust fund that we could rely on. Um, Now, what if I were to tell you that we all do? Maybe not a monetary trust fund in this sense, but we all have a, a spiritual trust fund that we were all born with. We were all born with, so to speak, a spiritual spoon in our mouths. What am I talking about? I'm talking about an inheritance that we received that every single Jewish person has from our forefathers, from Avram, Yitzchak, and Yaakov, who they, just like Lahavdil, this person's parents were entrepreneurs and they worked really hard so that their children can now benefit from this hard work. So too did our forefathers work incredibly hard to develop such a strong and deep connection with God uh, to such a point that they are referred to as being chariots where their whole entire being, their whole entire bodies and lives served merely as just being embodiments, um, channels for God's will, that this got passed down to all of us. We may not all be fully conscious of this inheritance that we have, but we all have it. And what we're going to be learning about today is this ability that we all have to awaken this this um, this consciousness within ourselves of this 
spiritual trust fund that we all have. And that with this awareness of the spiritual trust fund that we have, we can make this statement of this thing being very near to you, this this uh, closeness to God that we've been describing, um, it can become even more real. Because up until now, if you've been following along the podcast, then the Altrop has kind of been giving a prescription for this uh, this teaching of this thing being very near to you in your heart, in mouth and in your heart to do it. And he said that what it really involves is um, is intellectual meditation, using our minds to think about God, to contemplate about God, you know, um, really an, analyze the world, analyze our lives, study Torah, all that kind of stuff. And that will eventually translate into a love of God and a fear of God, whether it's felt in our hearts in a manifest way, in a really passionate way, or even if not, it will translate into action even if we're not feeling it the fact that we're so engaged in studying about god and thinking about god if it leads to us keeping torah and mitzvahs that means that the love is there but today the ultra is going to take another angle at all of this because that is all well and good this idea of intellectual meditation and all that if you're an intellectual type of person you know if you like to study if you like to read if you like to learn if you have the mental capacity to do so. But what about those people that don't? You know, not everybody is like that. Not everybody is an intellect by nature. This is not, you know, while all Jews are supposed to study Torah, um, learning is not something that is attractive to all people. And not all people get the same thing out of learning in the same intellectual way. So what about those kind of people? So today, the ultra rabbi gives a prescription for these kind of people and gives them this reassurance that in fact, it's okay. And it's more than okay, because the good news is that they were born with a trust fund. They were born just like all Jews. We were all born with this innate love of God that we all have in our hearts. And all we need to do is to recognize that. And by recognizing that, we can actually awaken it within us. And this can lead us to serving God. So for context, we're going to be beginning a new chapter today, chapter 18 of Likutei Amar. So the altar of it begins, and he says that he's going to analyze the the word me'ot that we find in the, that pasuk that we've been discussing, that this thing is very near to you. Me'ot is very. So what do we mean by very? So he says that when we use this word, it's not just that this thing is near to you, but this thing is very near to you. So what's implied by this is that there's a level of like ease with it, that even somebody, like that, that this applies for all people, even somebody who doesn't know much about God and doesn't have a heart to understand the greatness of God, to be able to birth within themselves the feeling of love of fear and love um even in their mind right so uh so again so we spoke about in uh in a previous section we spoke about this idea of somebody who uh, may may not feel a sense of passionate love and fear of god in their heart but at least they can birth it in their minds this is like the what we call tvuna before so what about such a person who's not able to do that Nevertheless, says the ultra, but even for such a person, this thing is very near to them. What is very near to them? That they are able to guard and to do all the mitzvahs of the Torah, including learning Torah, Talmud Torah in Hebrew, and in, in really in their mouth and in their heart, from the depth of their heart, in a true sense, really with the, like authentic, not to just like go about it by rote, but to actually have an authentic connection with God that involves fear and love of God. So how is this possible? So the Altarabbas says that this is possible. So he focuses first on the love aspect, that this love that's being referenced here is what's known as the Ahavah the hidden love that's found in, in the hearts of all Jews, 
because this is an inheritance that comes to us from our forefathers. So now in order to really understand what this love is, says the ultra, but we have to understand the root of this love and what it's all about. And how is it that we get this inheritance? And how does it also encompass fear within it? How does this love also include the fear aspect? So the ultra says that the idea is that the the forefathers, our forefathers, are referred to as being the chariot of God, the Melkava in Hebrew. And so thus, by virtue of being their ch- a chariot of God, they had this ability to draw down the nefesh, ruach, and neshama, the three aspects of the soul, to all generations that came after them, from the ten holy spheros that are found in the four worlds of Atzilus, Bria, Yetzirah, and Asiya, to every single Jewish person according to their level and according to their deeds. So this means even those people, even the very lowliest of souls. So the ultra rabbi gives an example of like what's called an akal shabakalim, the unworthiest of men, like very simple, simple, simple Jews, like really that are just like very, you know, on the bottom level of when we think of like simplicity. Um, and also not only that, even push Israel, the sinners of the Jewish people, so not very good people. So even like you think about like the worst Jews, quote unquote, you know, we don't, we don't, as a side note, we don't actually know who the worst Jews are. This is a very subjective judgment on our part when we think this is a good Jew, this is a bad Jew, we don't really know. But, but let's say somebody who's really not a very good Jew, not a very good person, nevertheless, by virtue of them being a Jew, by virtue of them getting this inheritance from our forefathers. So when they, uh, when they are intimate with with another person, like when these two people engage in uh, in intercourse, then this causes a drawing down of a soul that comes from Malchus of Asiya. And so now it's going to get a little technical here and a little Kabbalistic, but bear with it. So this level of, of uh, Malchus of Asiya is the lowest level that's found in the holiness of Asiya. So it's the lowest level on the one hand. Nevertheless, since it's still part of the 10 spheros, the 10 holy spheros. So Malchus is the lowest of all the spheros, but it it's part of the spheros. It's part of these holy spheros, these these um, these these uh, emanating forces that manifest godliness. And so since it's part of the spheros, it's made up of all of them. And so as we, we've spoken about this previously, that all of the spheros encompass all the other spheros. There's an inter-inclusive aspect of it, which means that it also contains within it the chokhmah of the world of Asiya. And within this chokhmah of Asiya is found the chokhmah of Malchus, of Atsilus, which is the highest of all worlds. So this is a big theme that comes up a lot in Hasidus and Kabbalah, that there's like a uh, uh, chain connection between all of the spiritual worlds. There might be different levels of revelation in different worlds, but the source of all of them is the same. They all can be traced back to Atsilus, or to be more specific, Malchus of Atsilus. But Malchus of Atsilus is a part of Atsilus, and Atsilus is one with God. And so and this Malchus of Atzillus contains within it the Chokhmah of Atzillus. And this Chokhmah of Atzillus is where the light of God himself shines. So, uh, and the Ultra Rabbah brings a proof for this from uh, from Mishlei, chapter 3, verse 19, where it says, Hashem b'chokhmah yisad aretz. God in his wisdom founded the earth. And then another Pasuk, this time from Tehillim, chapter 104, verse 24, Kulam b'chokhmah sita. You, did, you made them all with Chokhmah. So meaning to say that like if we use this logic and we recognize this logic, it means that God himself is vested within every single Jewish soul in by way of in an aspect of Chokhmah. 
and this is regardless of who this Jewish person is. It does, doesn't matter what their level is, their level of intellect, their IQ, their spiritual standing, anything like that. And it's vested within the aspect of their chokhmah, which every person's chokhmah is like kind of like the root source from which all the vitality of the entire soul comes from in order to vitalize it from head to toe. Uh, and uh, and the altar again brings a proof for this from um, from Echa chapter seven verse twelve where it says that wisdom gives life to those who possess it. So it's like our entire life force comes from this aspect of chokma. And so, and then in conclusion here, the altar brings this really interesting uh, parentheses where he says that this that there's even at times that we find sometimes um, very, very uh, high souls are born to sinners, great sinners within, uh, within the Jewish people. So why is this? Because there's sort of like this idea, like there's, there's this constant like battle going on between the forces of good and evil, between the forces that reveal godliness, the forces that conceal godliness. And this is written about in the, in the Sefer Gilgulim, by the way, of the Arizal, the book about reincarnation. So, Basically, there's um, there are really really high souls that want to be born, but there's a lot of resistance to them being born from the forces of the klipos, from the forces of the other side. But then, when you have two parents who are not the best people, who are you know people who don't really live the right way and that kind of thing, so sometimes in that case, the klipos can say, you know what? Actually, we could have them be this high soul be born. Let's have it be born to these very lowly people because chances are they're going to be affected by their environment and they're going to grow and they're going to be so heavily influenced by their negative parenting that their goodness will not manifest. But in fact, they're wrong. And often in many cases, I mean, uh, because these kind of, if somebody has a very, very high soul, sometimes the level of that soul can actually overcome their environment. And this is why we find in Chumash and also in real life often that very special people are often born into very, very um, low environments. So that's the end of the section for today. And so just the takeaway from all this is this idea of this recognition of the fact that we all have within us an innate love of God. And this innate love of God, we're going to learn more about it tomorrow. Um, but this innate love of God is what gives us access to be able to serve God and to be able to connect with God in a way that is not only close to us, but very close to us. Even if we don't have the intellectual capacity, even if we haven't, you know, been able to really learn and contemplate to such a point that we've birthed this, these feelings within our minds, there's another kind of love. So there's the love that we generate within our minds. And then there's this other innate kind of love. Uh, and we'll see as we go further into this, Hanya, this is like a kind of ongoing theme that comes up a lot, are these two aspects of, of the love of God, the aspects of love of God that is generated through, uh, through our intellect, and then the more innate, natural kind of love that's hidden within our hearts. So that's it for today. And we'll continue along these lines tomorrow. And I'll speak to you then. Thanks for listening to the It Is Top podcast, hosted by Sarit Switzer. This podcast is dedicated in loving memory of my maternal grandfather, Abraham Yitzhak ben Binyamin Cohen of Blessed Memory. Music by Shoshana. If you enjoyed this episode and would like to support the show, please share it with others and subscribe on YouTube, Apple iTunes, Spotify, or wherever you listen to podcasts. And make sure to leave us a five-star review. To find out more about the It Is Top project, including more information on my soon-to-be-published book, please visit our website, itistaught.com. To catch the latest from me, follow me on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. 
Looking forward to speaking with you tomorrow. And until then, have a great day.